The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gilles, we don't just play the game, we change it. Gilles, made of what matters. This is News Talk. As a forward, again, you only need one chance to ruin his 70 minutes. You have to have that mentality all the time. I only one ball here, you're in trouble again. The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. The News Round on Off The Ball with Gillette. Put your best face forward with our new and improved razors. This is News Talk. All right, you're welcome along to Thursday's Off The Ball. Nathan with you until 10 o'clock this evening. Hope you're keeping well. It's obviously, from listening to the news, been a very sobering day for everybody. Um, we are going to be talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine on the show a little bit later. Uh, we'll discuss its impact on sport and the connections uh, between Russia and sport and in particular football and what it all means. Uh, Rob Harris is going to join us after 9 o'clock to try and unpick some of that. Uh, with John Giles, as always, coming your way at half past 7. He'll be talking about Tottenham and Antonio Conte and also looking back on the week in the Champions League. Ireland against Italy on Sunday in the Six Nations. The Ireland team will be named tomorrow. Liam Toland and Fiona Hayes will join us after 8 o'clock. Connick Gilligan as well ahead of the weekend in the Allianz League. We're going to be talking Derry football. Uh, Derry who were down in Division 4 just a couple of years ago now top of Division 2 and looking set for promotion back to the top tier in the Allianz Football League and we'll also be joined by Adam Pope to talk Leeds United on the football show as well. Right in a relegation scrap. There is plenty of live football this evening. We keep you up to date with all of that. 53106 is the text number at Off The Ball if you want to get in touch on social media. Richie McCormick, good evening. Nathan, how are you? Uh, Joe Malloy should be there as well. How are you keeping, Joe? Yeah, good, Nathan. How are things? Not too bad. Uh, so we are obviously going to be talking a lot on the show tonight about Russia and the invasion of Ukraine and what it means for sport it's not the most important thing but actually sport in a geopolitical sense it does feel has an important role in all this because of Russia's links and how it's uh, gone about its business around the world in recent years particularly with football Uh, Rob Harris is going to talk to us and it is at every level from Gianni Infantino's personal relationship with Vladimir Putin the fact the Champions League final is due to take place in St. Petersburg this year Gazprom is one of the official partners of UEFA uh, down to Ireland are due to play Ukraine in the Nations League and where matches will take place and will Russian clubs be allowed to take part in European competitions? Will Russia be allowed to take part in World Cup playoffs? These sort of things are going to have to be established over the next few days. So it's a pretty grim reading, I think, for everybody um, at the moment and anybody who's been on social media all day, I'm sure, is, uh, as they find it, quite sobering at the moment. It's unbelievable. That's the word I've been using, talking to people all day. I just can't believe this has happened. And in the manner it's happened this morning, and I agree with you, some of the things you're already seeing on social media are heartbreaking. I mean, I suppose none of us are uh, naive to the horrors around the world, be they in Yemen or anywhere you care to mention. And I don't want to indulge in some kind of European exceptionalism here, but I really did think we were beyond this. You know, I thought the horrors of the 20th century were still fresh enough in our collective mind somehow to protect us against this kind of idiocy this kind of evil but we are talking about a dictator we're talking about somebody who seems to be living somewhere between the 7th and 18th centuries i just can't get my head around it it is 
shocking. I just could not believe it when I woke up this morning. Uh, there are some aspects of the world and how we operate that are very, very complicated and difficult to unravel and difficult to make equitable and difficult to find solutions for. This is not one of those things. This is a child. This is as somebody acting without logic. This is invading. I mean, it almost feels archaic to be talking about invading another country. And uh, it's a dark day. It's a horrible day. I've spent a lot of today, whenever I can, watching the news, watching various dispatches, watching what politicians are saying about it. And it's terrifying. It's really, really awful. And, um, you know, I, I just hope for some kind of a resolution, which doesn't seem all that likely at the no. moment. Uh, Richie, there is, as I say, many aspects linking sport to all of this. I know in the news round you've got quite a bit. Uh, UEFA are meeting tomorrow around the Champions League final. Like, they have no choice. It's a very straightforward decision for them. But there are the language around a lot of this from a UEFA, from a FIFA point of view, is going to be pretty important over the next couple of days. Yeah, and it's it's like they stopped short of like we saw earlier on in the week when this was first mooted that it may happen, and like God, we've known for months that this was going to come. It's just a, it was a case of when, but when it looked like it was inevitable, UEFA even said, "Oh, we're listen, we're not talking about moving the Champions League final just yet because, like, look who's funding UEFA, and that's what this all comes down to in as regards sports reaction to all this, as regards certain governments' reaction to all of this is the amount of Russian money." that is propping up sport on a global level and is propping up governments, um, particularly, as you mentioned, or Alistair Campbell mentioned with Kieran there just before the show. Like, it's scary. And that's why we haven't seen anything stronger, either from a sporting body's perspective like UEFA or from a government level than, oh, we're going to impose sanctions. Because, like, what are sanctions going to do? You know, ultimately, they're going to, you know, mildly inconvenience a few people for a while. But... There's not any real action here. This is what we saw from way around the week. We can't talk about what may happen. And now they're going straight to an executive committee meeting tomorrow. And apparently behind the scenes, it's a done deal that the Champions League final won't be played in St. Petersburg. And we're going to have to look at alternative options. Uh, it's going to be a FIFA call on this one as regards where the World Cup qualifiers are playing the playoffs because Russia play Poland and then they're due to play either the Czechs or Sweden in whatever match may come from that. So, But, but everything comes down to money. Like We talk about sports washing a lot. On the show, especially when we're talking about like the Middle East and, and what they've been in, involved in and not involved in over the last while, Russia have been doing this for years. Like Gazprom are all over Champions League coverage. Gazprom are, you know, m mostly state owned, and um, they've been propping up several football clubs around Europe. Several football clubs have benefited from people who are close to Putin, and Zenit would be obviously one of those built on Gazprom money. And but there are more, like Abramovich and Chelsea is another case in point. Most of London is either owned by oligarchs or people from the Middle East on oil money. And if that money suddenly disappears, then they find themselves in real trouble. And that's what's going to guide their decisions, not the health and well-being, unfortunately, of Ukrainian citizens. Mm. Uh, even the language around this that UEFA FIFA use, talking about the situation uh, rather than the invasion. So yeah. they are approaching this in a different manner, I think, than your average person is approaching this. Uh, do you want to run through some of the stories then, Richie, sure. uh, as, as it's been developing over the course of the day? Yeah, St. Petersburg, as I mentioned, expected to be stripped of this season's Champions League final after UEFA condemned the Russian invasion of Ukraine. UEFA's executive committee meets tomorrow when the decision to move the final will be rubber stamped. Meanwhile, the FAI say they'll continue to communicate with both the UEFA and our own government and indeed their counterparts in Ukraine. Stephen Kenny side are due to go to Lviv in the west of Ukraine for a Nations League game on June the 14th, 10 days prior. Uh, they're due to visit Dublin. Meanwhile, the Czech, Swedish and Polish FAs wrote a joint letter to FIFA today saying 
saying they refuse to play next month's World Cup playoffs in Russia. The Russians due to host Poland on March 24th and will welcome the winners of Sweden's game with the Czechs five days later. The signatories say they want FIFA and UEFA to act immediately. An opposition MP in the UK, meanwhile, says Roman Abramovich should no longer be allowed to own Chelsea. Chris Bryant was reading from a 2019 Home Office document that said the Chelsea owner should not be allowed to base himself in the UK. Abramovich is believed to be close, of course, to the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. And German club Schalke say they'll no longer display the Gazprom logo on their jerseys. The Russian state-owned energy company has been their primary sponsor since 2007. So close is their relationship that in 2011, uh, Putin tried to intervene in the sale of Manuel Neuer to Bayern Munich. So the expectation seems to be that the Ireland game against Ukraine will probably take place in Poland. The language from the Czech, Swedish, Polish FAs seems to suggest that they may not want to play Russia at all in those World Cup playoffs, but certainly won't be going to Russia, which won't be is going, absolutely yeah. understandable. They stopped short sorry, of saying Russia shouldn't play, but they said they won't go to Russia to play those games, yeah. Absolutely no country should play Russia. Russia should be kicked out of the World Cup with immediate effect. They should be kicked out of every sporting event with immediate effect. Their clubs should be the same. Like you're having the clubs should Saint be kicked out. Everything. St. Petersburg are playing. Tonight. Everything should it's, be. It's everything incredible that Zenit St. Petersburg are playing in Spain tonight in yeah, the Europa League. Disgrace. That's that is shameful. That is absolutely shameful. That is a disgrace. That they sh- and who are they playing? Real Betis. Betis. Yeah. yeah well, Real Betis shouldn't take the field. That is a disgrace. You would wonder, will the pressure come on FIFA and UEFA to make that sort of the, a decision? Well, that's what they should have done like, hours what, ago. What, like that, what that, are they that, waiting that, for? You know? Yeah, that, that, that's not a decision that should come down to 8 o'clock kickoff time. That's a decision that should have been made this week, that should have been made before Zenit travels to, to Seville for this game. Like, they shouldn't have been on a plane to get there the other day. Like, this, this game tonight shouldn't be happening. And yet we're like seeing team news rolling in. We're seeing you know the game's going to go ahead and it's it's in the balance and it like and you know there's every chance that Zenit go through and then what? You know it's it's silly. It's stupid and should have been stopped at source. Like all of this should have been stopped at source a long long time ago. I, I do wonder to what extent it is the Gazprom thing or what it's just whether it's just a typical UEFA FIFA sitting on their hands diplomacy move slowly um whatever the reason I think it obviously should be fast tracked mm. with immediate I th- effect I think the Gazprom Pram deal is I think Tariq Pram worth. just said sorry Joe Tariq Pram on top of that said there's a member of the the Gazprom board is, is involved in UEFA directly and then you've yeah, got the actual yeah. deal separately so they're all, the whole thing that's what I mentioned it's yeah, all on the exco yeah on the exco committee yeah the Gazprom deal is worth about 33 million sterling per annum per year to the Champions League now you know they can make do without that pretty quickly well money will talk with this and will there be pressure from other sponsors not wanting to be associated with Gazprom so you would expect that when they beat tomorrow UEFA will have to come out and while we say sport is a small part of this actually sporting sanctions can carry an enormous weight in a country like Russia if you were to throw their clubs out of Europe if you were to bar Russia from playing at the World Cup it does does count for an awful lot so hopefully we see UEFA and FIFA come out and be strong about this but I don't think anyone is particularly holding their breath on it uh, 53106 is the text number uh, with John Giles coming up at half past seven we'll check in with Adam Pope as well on the football show on Leeds who find themselves right in a relegation scrap uh, we got rugby as well coming after eight o'clock and we're talking about Ulster football and how they're getting along in the Allianz League also but there is Richie uh, lots of live football on this evening yeah 7.45 start at the Emirates and a huge game in the race for European football in the Premier League 6th playing 7th Arsenal up against Wolves Aaron Ramsdale in goal tonight for Arsenal of course 
uh, that guy from their chips ad on Twitter. Uh, Cedric Suarez, Ben White, Gabriel and Kieran Tierney make up their back four with Thomas Partey and Granit Xhaka anchoring the midfield. In front of them, Bakayo Saka, Martin Odegaard and the returning Gabriel Martinelli. Alexandre Lacazette leads the line for them. For Wolves, Jose Shah starts in goal, a back three of Max Kilman, Connor Cody and Roman Saiz. Nelson Shemedo and uh, He Wang Chang are on the left, are either side of the midfield. Ruben Neves and Joao Moutinho in the middle. Daniel Pedence and Raul Jimenez are up front for them. Uh, Celtic's European season is going to end tonight. They now trail Bodo Glimt by two goals to nil in the second leg of their Conference League playoff in Norway. Bodo are now 5-1 ahead on aggregate. Meanwhile, in Denmark, it's Randers nil, Leicester 2, Harvey Barnes and James Madison uh, stretching the Premier League side's aggregate advantage to six goals to one. And Borussia Dortmund without Erling Haaland as they attempt to overturn a 4-2 uh, first leg deficit to Rangers in the Europa League tonight. The second leg of their playoff tie has an 8pm start at Ibrox. It's sort of hard to figure out the race for the top four because of the games in hand that various teams have. So as it stands, Manchester United are in fourth, 46 points. They've played 26. West Ham have played the same amount of games and are four points behind. Arsenal are four points behind, but they've three games in hand on Manchester United. And Wolves, if they were to win tonight, they play Arsenal tonight and then they play West Ham at the weekend. Wolves are six points behind Manchester United, but they do have two games in hand. Then you got Spurs in there as well with two games in hand, and they're seven points. But obviously, I was like, what the hell is going on with Spurs? What is there a chance Antonio Conte goes before the end of the season? I don't know. I didn't fully, just the day that was in it, get to watch his full press conference. I saw a few clips where he seemed to be really erratic, I suppose, after the 1-0 defeat last night. So, And I've seen headlines. What's what's your reading of his press conference? Well, the reading is that you know, I, I couldn't take money for this sort of terrible job that I'm doing, uh, which has been read into, well, you know the easiest way of not taking the money is not being the manager and that he is frustrated with the ambition of the club but all of these things he had to have known it it, it doesn't stack up that he would have had a conversation with Daniel Levy when he came in pre-Christmas and Daniel Levy guaranteed him Two hundred million pounds to spend in January and massive reinforcements like that, that that has never been the way he operated so it's a very strange mix and Conte has to take some responsibility like there were you know the performance against Manchester City on Saturday where they're exceptional and tactically they're set up perfectly and then they get beaten by Burnley three days later like, mm. a little bit of that has to be on the manager as well it is if this was Mourinho coming out with this we'd be absolutely hammering Mourinho on how he has lost the dressing room already whereas Antonio Conte there's a belief that you know he still has a bit more clout and that actually you know it's a bit spursy isn't it the way they've gone about their business it's their it reminds me of sorry Joe it reminds me of Manchester United under Solskjaer because they were capable of those results against the likes of Manchester City and catching teams on the break and pulling off the odd results here and there which would you know douse the fires of the calls for Solskjaer to go and that's where Spurs find themselves now they occasionally pull off these big results and then go to Burnley three days later and look a shell of themselves and look like the team that you know we've all seen for the last six seven months and beyond under Nuno and the latter era last year a lot of part of the Mourinho reign they're just shambles and I don't know if Conte is I don't know if anybody is, is up to the job of you know rebuilding what needs to be done there because it is a ground up situation there he was very honest he said in the last five games we're playing like we're in relegation that's the reality maybe there's something wrong I want to take responsibility if I have that I'm open for every decision I want to help Tottenham from the first day I arrived also to take my salary it's not right at this moment yeah Arsenal are interesting as well in reality they're kind of in pole position with the games in hand to charge into fourth and yet nobody 
uh, probably myself included, has faith in them to do it. But, you know, we're into February and they've had a very reasonable season. There's a sense our Ted has got a hold of things there and nobody is still quite putting their necks out in so much as I can see and saying, God, yeah, Arsenal, it's fourth. It's theirs to lose. Well, there's a lack of trust in Arsenal that has yeah. been built up over the last decade that even if they go on a run of three, four victories that they're going to slip up, that like Tottenham, you just don't know quite what you're going to get. But Arteta has certainly made them a bit more of a stable side. They've got a lot of really good, exciting young players. I know Smith-Rowe isn't playing this evening, but Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli as the three in behind Alexandre Lacazette. Like that's that's a lot of good, young, energetic quality. You maybe don't have the baggage of some of the players that Arsenal have had over the last few years. It is just that midfield where you're still looking and thinking. Granit is playing every game. Thomas Partey is inconsistent. And they didn't reinforce. They had an opportunity in January to maybe go sign a striker, find somebody who could guarantee them top floor football. And my assessment would be Manchester United still have enough good players that they'll win enough games to just about do it. But there's definitely an opportunity there for Arsenal if if they can go about it the right way. But they need to win tonight. Like tonight is those yeah, games yeah. in hand. You prefer you you want the points. Everything we've ever seen is you're better off having the points uh, than the games in hand. So yeah, it's going to be uh, covered wolves at the weekend, and again they're just rock solid in a lot of ways uh, against Leicester. So they're not out of this. But again, I don't think they have the quality. But I'd be interested in the thoughts of the Arsenal fans. It does feel like they're a better proposition that there's yeah. a bit more character in this side than there has been for quite a while yeah and Arteta feels like he has control of the place like the Aubameyang thing was a big win mm. for him absolutely the only issue is that they don't have a striker who's going to score the amount of goals Aubameyang did a couple of seasons ago now he obviously wasn't doing it this year so you can get away with letting him go but that's the one thing that if they you know if they'd got Vlahovic who maybe just didn't have the interest in, in leaving Italy but if they'd gone and signed a Vlahovic for the second half of the season maybe that's what brings them guaranteed Champions League football and then you're into a whole new ball game of the type of player you can go and buy for next season so yeah they're, they're, there's a bit of the flaky old Arsenal but definitely heading in the right direction what else you got Richie? yeah Pardon me, I was just sneezing there. Uh, elsewhere, Leo Cullen says Jason Jenkins' insider knowledge of South African rugby will be an asset to Leinster. The lock will arrive from Munster in the summer. The Leinster coach has been scouting Jenkins for some time, it seems, and will find him very useful come next season. Um, he's a big physical man, for, for starters, um, in terms of age profile experience. You know, I think, you know, especially when you consider like the, the four South African teams joining the league, so understanding in terms of some of the mindset that's required when we travel to South Africa obviously when those teams come up here so some of that intel is, is very valuable to us I think as a group that we don't currently have um, I saw him play first as under 20s believe it or not um, at the World Cup away in Italy um, and there's when he when he sort of progressed through Super Rugby with the Bulls um, I've seen him play plenty of times in those early days one game probably stands out when he played against the Stormers when you, know, you have the Bulls playing the Stormers and all the best South African talent were a good chunk of it at least you know if you think Peter Steftitoy Khaleesi um, Trevor Nikani Dwayne Vermeulen um, you know I, I could go on you know and um, and just seeing him at that level and obviously he was a very young player at that stage so um, you know I talked to Johan down a month or just as to how he'd settled in and um, and that, that, that's also a factor making sure you know guys that are travelling from from far away that how they settle in the country um, and he seems to have settled in well I know he's been unfortunate with injuries and all the rest 
Um, but believe it or not, it's not that easy to settle into Ireland when you've got the temperatures of four and five degrees when you're used to 30. Um, but he seems to settle well. And, you know, I've, I've had a few conversations with Jason as well. So, um, yeah, we're excited to get him here. Obviously, just, you know, it's, at the moment we're focused on the here and the now and this season. But, um, yeah, in the future, it'll be, it'll be good to get him here. Um, I think he can add in, a, in a lots of different ways. Um, and yeah, just it's a different dynamic for our group. You know, we've a lot of young players that come through the system here. So to have someone that has different experience from outside the group and coming into a good age profile as well. Um, and he obviously experiences of his time in the Bulls, you know, even down in Munster. But he's been away in Japan, you know, coached by Jake White as an example as well. So there's, there's plenty there um, that I think we can learn from here. Leo Cullen unusually excited about the arrival of Jason mm. Jenkins. I've he's talking about luck. He's talking about one zone. You get his second row in there, and he can go for hours. I, I don't think he's made a, that much of an impression at Munster Joe that there'll be old pigs' heads or anything like that when he goes back to Thomond Park next season. Uh, no, I don't think so. Like the, it was well known across rugby circles, and, and it was pretty much said that, especially since the La Rochelle defeat, Leinster were in the market for. Uh, beefing up in the second row in particular, you know. Um, Jenkins seemed to catch a few people by surprise. They, they didn't jump out to those really in the know as the obvious candidate to solve all those problems. So there's a slight question mark there. And yet you would say that Leo Cullen and Stuart Lancaster haven't been in the habit of making bad signings. No. So they potentially have seen something that others haven't. And were Jenkins to blossom at Leinster then I suspect Munster fans might be thinking what did we let go here uh, now that we're talking about a actual war sporting wars obviously don't feel quite as important but Greg Norman yeah. has for some reason decided today of all days is yeah. the day where he's going fully to war with the PGA mm-hmm. Tour so was this day last week we were talking about Phil Mickelson and his comments which have uh, you know, had a big impact on his career and it felt almost killed off the Saudi tour now most people feel it's not totally dead in the water and certainly Greg Norman doesn't think it is Uh, he is the main figurehead for this and has been for many rivals to the PGA Tour for a number of years and none of them have really come off he's written an open letter to the PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan accusing him of bullying players with unenforceable threats he starts the letter Joe by saying dear Commissioner Monaghan surely you jest and surely your lawyers at the PGA Tour must be holding their breath As has been widely reported, you've threatened the players of the PGA Tour, all of whom are independent contractors with lifetime bans if they decide to play golf in the league sponsored by anyone other than the Tour. He basically goes on to say that this simply isn't possible, that the Players' Championship should be renamed the Administration's Championship because it's not about players, the PGA Tour, it's all about the administrators. Uh, And he finishes up by saying, Commissioner, this is just the beginning. It is certainly not the end. Yeah, you're right. He picked a hell of a day. For sure. A touch tone deaf is Greg at times. So uh, it does seem that Jay Monaghan, the PGA Tour Commissioner, who had not been saying very much about the Saudi efforts led by Greg Norman, fronted by Greg Norman, uh, it seems at a player's mandatory meeting on Tuesday, in light of Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson pulling out of the Saudi Tour after Phil Mickelson's comments surfaced, it seems uh, Jay Monaghan realising the battle had been won was... Uh, pretty triumphant that meeting and, and like said as much to all the players in the room he said any of you still talking to the Saudis leave the room now get out now and this is obviously what Greg Norman is writing the letter about so that's uh, it's rumbling on and would you believe it Richie there's a full mm. 90 minute episode of Golf Weekly minutes. covering just that get on to forward slash Golf Weekly 
we managed to get a second full week out of Phil Mickelson fair play to him <laughs> thank you Phil uh, the news round brought to you by Gillette put your best face forward with our new and improved razors Richie thank you nice one Joe Joe thank you as always alright lads alright time for the cash machine the news round on off the ball with Gillette we don't just play the game we change it Gillette made of what matters